Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, well, well. I always love church in the park. It's just kind of a different pace for us, a little different uh, experience. The kids can play and run, you can be in the fresh air, and luckily we're not burning up too much yet, so we'll keep this thing short enough that you won't be. Um, let me just tell you one thing. Next week, we're going to be right back here, same place, uh, right here in the park, same time. The only difference is next week, we're going to be having some baptisms. And so baptism is all about a public display of your personal decision to follow Jesus. If you've made a decision to follow Christ and you've never made a public declaration of that in the form of baptism, I want to invite you to do that. So whether... Uh, you, you've just been a Christian for a long time, maybe 40 years, and you've never taken that step, or four weeks or four hours, we want to help you take that next step in your faith. And that'll be next week. All you have to do is come actually and talk to someone uh, at the New Here tent. They'll be able to answer your questions. You can email us at nextsteps at lakeland.church, nextsteps at lakeland.church, and we will answer any of your questions that you got about baptism and get you all set uh, for you to be able to participate in that. But that is going to be a ton of fun. Next week here, right in the park, in the middle of our service, we're going to have some baptisms. And uh, if you've never been to one of our baptism services, you're not going to want to miss it. It's a ton of fun. All right, let's dive on in. Today, we're continuing in a series. Pastor Jeff launched it. Pastor Jason followed it up last week. They did great jobs. And uh, this week, we're continuing in it. The series is called Greatest Hits, and it's an opportunity for some of us pastors to go back and dig out of the back uh, kind of, of, of our Rolodex, if you will, some of our favorite messages from years ago. And so I'm pulling out two messages, uh, one for this week and one for next week that were actually out of the same series that I preached over six years ago. And so they're just, it was one of my favorite series because it was about childlike faith. And I don't know about you, but I just love kids. Obviously, I got nine of them. Uh, but I dig childlike faith. There's something so sweet about, about an expression that just goes all in to follow Jesus. And, and so it's out of that series of childlikeness that uh, I'm bringing a couple messages uh, one for this week, one for next week. And this week, I want to talk about dreams because kids actually have really cool dreams in life. They, they, they dream big, and that's what I, one of the things I love about, about children is just what they kind of believe for. And sometimes they believe for things that are just a little ridiculous, like a little far out there, like it's probably not attainable, well, definitely not attainable. Like my son Reese, so once again, this is a six-year-old message, so all these illustrations are like six or seven years old. My son Reese, he was probably 12 at the time or 11 at the time, and, uh, and he was, uh, came to me, he's like, Dad, I want to fly. I'm like, that's awesome, Reese. You can totally fly. You should be a pilot someday. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to go build some wings in the garage and go fly. And I was like, oh, buddy, that's not going to work. And, but he was determined, so he went out into the garage, and he got some two-by-fours, right? Because that's a good light material. And he started building some frames for these wings, and then he started cutting out cardboard and stapling the cardboard onto the wings. And a couple hours later, I see my son running across our backyard with these two heavy wings strapped to his arms, dragging behind him. And I'm just sitting there looking at him like, oh, poor kid. And he comes inside, head hung low, and he's like, didn't work. I was like, no kidding. <laughs> now that one just wasn't going to work. I knew that dream wasn't going to p- fly. But there are other dreams that you're like, it seems a little far out there, but it's, it's actually, 
it's something that's not too far gone. It's not that it's impossible. It might just seem a little big, but it's a dream we're chasing after. Maybe it's a dream that God placed in your heart. I love this story that Jack Canfield tells about a young high school student whose father was a horse trainer. I'm going to read it to you. Because the family had to follow the horse racing season, the young boy had to change schools throughout the year. During his senior year, he was asked to write a paper about what his dreams were for the future. His paper described the dream of owning a 200-acre horse ranch with stables and tracks, a 4,000-square-foot home, and he even drew a diagram of the property uh, and the design for his house. He turned in the paper, and two days later, it came back with an F on the front and a note to see the teacher. After class, the teacher explained to the boy that his dream was unrealistic. The teacher said if the boy rewrote the paper with a more realistic dream, he would reconsider the grade. The boy went home and asked his father what to do. It's your decision, said the father. Dad knew this was a very important decision. The boy kept the paper for a week, and then he returned it to his teacher after class. Here, the boy said, you can keep the F, and I'll keep my dream. And I, I love that, that, that he has the guts to say, I'm going to... I'm going to hold on to the thing that I think is really most important, and it's attainable. It might seem unrealistic, but it's from, maybe it's, it's something from God. And here's the deal. Is the reality is all of us have had dreams. And today what I want to talk about is some of the most, I would call them the most simplistic dreams that the Lord a lot of times just kind of hardwires into us that for whatever reason we eventually walk away from them. And here's some of the main reasons why we walk away from them. Are you ready for the first one? The first one is you've been adultified. I know that's not a word. But what happens is you grow up and you just stop dreaming. Life gets real, life gets serious, and all of a sudden you're just like, I, uh, the, the dream that I once had, it just doesn't seem realistic, it doesn't seem attainable, so I've just kind of moved on. Uh, another reason is maybe you've hit a hurdle or you've hit a trial. Another reason is maybe it just took too long. Seems like, what's happening? What's taking so long for this dream to come to fruition? And then probably the number one is this. It's your own foolish choices. You made a foolish decision. You made a bad call. You did something that you know you shouldn't have done, and it derailed life. And now you find yourself where you are today, and you go, and, and this is the statement I hear people make all the time. You go, they say, I never dreamt I would be here. Because of some of the things, the decisions they've made. And what I want to do is I want to look at a guy today in Scripture who had kind of lost sight of his childlike dream, and he's desperate for it, and it's due to his own foolish decisions that he's lost sight of it. And that guy is Zacchaeus. Perhaps you've heard the story before in Scripture. Uh, we're gonna read, I'm going to read it to you. It's found in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. I'm going to read it, and then we're just going to talk this thing, thing through pretty quickly. This is what Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10 says. Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see to over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save 
the lost. All right, let's just kind of talk this thing through pretty quickly. What do we know about this guy, Zacchaeus? Well, we find out he's a tax collector. We find out he's short. But here's probably the most important thing. It's actually found in verse 9 where Jesus says this. He says, this guy is a son of Abraham. Now, for us, we're like, what does that even mean? In most simplistic terms, that just means he's Jewish. That's what it means. Now, for us, we don't get Jewish culture. But Jewish culture was this kind of all-inclusive, everything was intertwined. Your family, your community, your religion, and everyone was a big kind of, kind of a big family, if you will. And the most important thing of every person in the Jewish community, or kind of a, a general dream for everyone, would to be a, a person who's honorable, a person of integrity, a person who brings good to the community. And somewhere along the line, Zacchaeus walked away from that dream. I know that because he becomes a tax collector, and tax collectors were hated by all Jews. The other thing we know about Zacchaeus is he's a guy. And guys typically would pick up the family business from their dad. So somewhere along the way, Zacchaeus' dad, either maybe his dad died, maybe his dad didn't have a business to pass on, something happened, and Zacchaeus walked away from his, not just the dream perhaps, he walked away from his family to take this job, he walked away from his community, and he walked away from his God. That's all included kind of in this statement when it says he's a son of Abraham. And then in verse 2, we find out he's a tax collector. And so, once again, why do people hate the tax collectors? Well, because they work for the Romans, and the Romans are the people who are oppressing them. So to go and become a tax collector, you are becoming one of the very people who will oppress your own people. They were also kind of, they were known as thieves, kind of picture like the sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, who, you know, he goes to people and he says, hey, here's what you owe me, and then he keeps a little bit extra on the side for himself, and that's how they would get wealthy. And so he's a thief. And scripture tells us that he's a chief tax collector. That means he's a chief thief. He's the best of it. And he's been doing it for a long time. And he's gotten really wealth doing it. Now here's the, or wealthy doing it. Now here's the deal. No one in his day and age, no young Jewish boy ever dreams of growing up and becoming a tax collector. You can almost imagine the little Jewish boy sitting in a circle talking about someday what they're going to be. Well, I'm going to be a fisherman, or I want to be a rabbi, or I want to be a teacher of the law, I want to be a scribe, I want to be all... And I promise you, there was no young kid going, you want to know what I want to be? Tax collector. Nobody's saying that. There's no kid who's going, that's what I dream of being, because they know on the day that they do something like that, they're turning their back on their family, their community, and their God. Now, I don't know about you, but I imagine that there are some of you here who you would say the exact same statement. You would, just like that, you would probably never go, I dreamt. Someday, when I was a young kid, I dreamt of being where I am today. You never dreamt of the failed marriage. You never dreamt of living with an addiction. You never dreamt with making the bad decision that you made. You never dreamt that you'd have a child living rebelliously. You never dreamt of a broken family relationship that you're experiencing. You never dreamt that you would get a demotion. You never dreamt of maybe being an unkind person. Or you never dreamt that you would be a difficult person to work with. Or that you would be struggling with anger or fear your whole life. And yet, this is sometimes where we find ourselves, and if there's anything we can learn from Zacchaeus, is God is a God who loves to restore dreamers and dreams. But I would say this, kind of P.S. before we go too far, it's this, beware of the number one things that empowers the stolen dreams, and that is this, it's these self-imposed titles 
that sometimes we speak over ourselves. So for Zacchaeus, that self-imposed title was tax collector. That's like, it went with him. Wherever he went, he was a tax collector. That's a title, and he kind of owned it, and it was over him, and it defined him. And there's, for some of you here, there might be a self-imposed title that you just continue to hold on to that, quite frankly, today is the day you need to let go of that title. I talked with a guy about a, um, a month ago, and in our conversation, it was kind of funny. He said to me probably three times, he goes, well, I'm kind of the black sheep of my family. And then he would say kind of what he's in the, in the middle of and why he messed up and why this bad thing is happening. And then he would say it again, And because I'm kind of the black sheep of the family. And then he would go on. He said it a third time. I was like, man, you are, you're just speaking this over yourself. No wonder why you behave the way you behave, because this is the self-imposed title you've spoken over yourself. Am I talking to anyone? I don't know what title you've spoken over yourself. Well, I'm the rebel. I'm the addict of the family. I'm the one who always struggles with fear. I'm kind of a little OCD. (laughs) I get a little angry. And those self-imposed titles need to fall off of you today so you can step into, really, the God dream that he has over your life. And so let me just kind of make some quick observations. Here's three things that will help restore the dream. Uh, they all start with H, so you should be able to remember them. I'm going to do it quickly. The first one is hope. We all need hope. And Zacchaeus, he has hope. How do I know that? Because he wants to see Jesus. And so he runs ahead and he climbs a tree. Now, why in the world would he have a little bit of hope in this kind of unruly rabbi by the name of Jesus? Well, because this is kind of late in Jesus's ministry years, he's been serving now in ministry, he's been doing ministry for almost two and a half years at this point. And so he actually has a title, kind of a reputation that's gone with him. And at this point, everyone, when they think about Jesus, they refer to him as this guy who's a friend of, if you know the rest of it, say it out loud, friend of what? Sinners. He's a friend of sinners. Oh, that's that rabbi who's a friend of sinners. And you want to know who Zacchaeus is? He's like, that's me. I'm like the chief sinner. I'm the chief tax collector. If there's anyone who needs uh, a rabbi who would accept him, it is me. And so this Jesus fellow who's been the friend of sinners, and in fact, one of his 12 disciples is actually a former tax collector. Do you think Zacchaeus knew that? You bet he did. I, I can imagine Zacchaeus is like, listen, if, if, if one of his own disciples was a former tax collector and it worked for him, then it can work for me as well. And I'm telling you this, I don't know where you find yourself today in life or what has happened to you in life, but I can promise you someone has gone there before you, has been worse off than you, has experienced the cross of Jesus Christ in their life, the redemption and the restoration in their lives before you, and it should bring hope to your situation today. I know you're sitting there going, no, my situation is the worst. No, no, no. Someone has had it worse. Someone has come and found hope, restoration, and healing in Jesus Christ. And it's true for you as well. You too. And I hope you find some hope in it. Second H, it's this. It's humble desperation. And this is what Zacchaeus displays. He displays incredible humble desperation. Verse 4 tells us that he goes, he runs ahead and he climbs a tree. I don't know if you realize this, but high-ranking, highly feared tax collectors don't run and they don't climb trees. <laughs> you want to know who goes running and who climbs trees? Children do. And so Zacchaeus is acting like a child. 
And that's what's beautiful here. He's so broken, he's so humble that he'll just say, it's humble desperation, they'll say, I'll do absolutely anything to get a glimpse of this guy, Jesus, that if I can get what he's offering, I'll do anything for it. And so he, he goes and he climbs a tree, and here's the truth. Acts of spiritual desperation set us up for dream restoration. Let me say it again. Acts of spiritual desperation set us up for dream restoration. I don't know how desperate you are, but are you actually desperate for him to restore a dream in your life? Are you desperate for him to bring about some healing in your life? Well, then, how desperate are you? Are you willing to look a little foolish like Zacchaeus was in front of everyone else to run, to climb a tree? Are you willing to look that way for just to get him? And then I love how Jesus responds to his humble desperation. Jesus says to him, today I'm coming to your house. Now, you got to understand, these are the first words Jesus speaks to Zacchaeus, and these are loaded words because he's not talking about just a location. He's talking about an invitation. See, you didn't just go to someone's house to have a meeting. You, always, you didn't have meetings. You had meals. Anywhere where you go, you would have a meal in Jewish culture, and a meal meant you and I are friends. So when, when Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house, what he's saying is, I want to have a meal with you. I want to have a friendship with you, and I'll be your friend. And Zacchaeus quickly responds to it, and he accepts the gesture of friendship, but he really knows it's a gesture of grace and forgiveness. And you want to know what's happening right here in the moment? The dream is beginning to be restored. This dream for Zacchaeus that perhaps he could be restored to his family, his community, and to his God. That he could be a person of integrity. That he could be a person who's honored and honorable. And so, uh, check out what happens, though, next in verse 7. It's the same thing that happens every time we take a step toward God. Are you ready to know? You want to know what will always happen? The enemy's going to try to derail it. Every time. And that's exactly what happens here. Zacchaeus is taking a step toward Jesus. Jesus is offering a friendship. And immediately it says, the people began to mutter and gossip. Can you believe this guy's going to hang out with that sinner? It's exactly what happens. Every time we take a step toward God, the enemy is going to start speaking lies over you. He's going to start declaring things over you. And it's in that, in that moment you've got to ignore every one of those lies, every one of those accusations from the enemy and keep pressing forward because the enemy wants to derail you from uh, having that dream restored. But uh, he continues after it. He meets with Jesus. And what we see, though, is even his response to Jesus. It's the third H. It's this. So we've got hope. We've got humble desperation. And then we've got a huge step of faith. And that's what Zacchaeus does. He, he makes a huge step of faith here. He says to Jesus, hey, you want to know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sell half of my possessions and give it to the poor. And if I've robbed anyone, I'm going to pay them back four times. You want to know what he's doing? He's saying, you want to know what the original dream was? It was to be a person who's honorable and worth following and a person of integrity. And he's going, you want to know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go so above and beyond that if there was ever a question that I could be a person who's honorable and worth uh, giving honor to. I want to step into it. If there is hope for the dream to be restored, I'm stepping into it fully. And so he's like, hey, you want to know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to give to half to, of all that I got to the poor. I'm going to pay back anyone who I've possibly robbed. And he is stepping into uh, the dream, the second chance. And some of you need to follow that exact example. Walk away from the lifestyle or the activities that you've been engaged in that have robbed you of the dream so you can step back into the God dream for you. 
And then in verse 9, Jesus' words, he affirms that, that the dream is restored. It's being restored. He says, this man too is a son of Abraham, meaning Jesus is declaring, Zacchaeus, you are restored to the family. You're restored to the Jewish community. And then he says, why? Verse 10, because I came to seek and save lost things, lost people. And he's, yes, he's talking about salvation, but it's also, it's, it's interesting. God doesn't just save lost dreamers. He saves the dreams as well. He restores those as well. And he brings Zacchaeus right back into the family. And some of you have lost sight of your dreams. Maybe your dream got crushed. Maybe it got paused. Maybe it, it got stopped because of your own foolish choices. You made a bad decision. Sometimes we failed once or twice, kind of chasing after the dream. And uh, when we failed, we give up on it. I tried to get free from my addiction. I tried multiple times, but I failed. So, oh, well, I'll just give up on the dream of living a, a life free from my addiction. Sometimes our dreams are divinely put on hold, actually, until we can handle it. Maybe for you, you're stepping, you were stepping into it and someone talked you out of it. Someone said, you, that's not for you. Maybe the enemy whispered something in your ear or someone said something uh, to you. But here, when I think about even my, and I talked about this at the beginning, the most basic dreams. It's the most basic dreams. When I think about even my, in my life, some of the most basic dreams are this. I dream that my kids will look at me and say, my dad's a man of integrity. Brooks, stop running. <laughs> I dream that my wife will look at me and say, my husband's a man who loves God and loves me, and he's a man of integrity. I, I dream that my staff will say, he's a guy worth following. These are some of the most basic dreams, and maybe for you, some of the most basic dreams that you feel like have been robbed of you would be things like this. I, I dream that my, all my kids will follow Jesus. Maybe for you, that's not happening right now, and you've, you're actually kind of losing sight of that, and I would tell you, don't lose sight of that dream. You know, I was talking to a guy who just, um, uh, he talked about how his kids had all walked away from the faith for 17 years. He goes, I just kept praying for them. I just kept praying for them. I just kept praying for them. And he goes, Josh, you'll never believe what happened. In a matter of two years, all four of them came to faith in Christ. He just kept after it. And yet, so I think so often we can just lose sight of and give up on it. Maybe for you, the dream is just a day that you won't live in fear. Or maybe the dream is a day that, you, that depression won't rule your life. Or a day when your past no longer defines your present or your future. Or a day when your wife trusts you again. Or your kids forgive you. Don't, don't give up on those dreams. I believe those are God dreams they've placed in your heart that, you, that he'd say, listen, I can restore that. All right. Do you have humble desperation? Will you step in a huge step of faith? but stay after it. One thing I know more than anything else is that God, he's a, he's a dream giver, he's a dream restorer, and he's a dream fulfiller. And today's your day to step back into maybe a dream that you've just kind of given up on, saying, I don't know if it'll ever happen, so I feel like I've just walked away from it. Don't give up on it. And while I know that God loves the dreams, he loves most of all the dreamers. Remember, this has happened probably, it was probably seven years ago. Because my daughter's 10. She was the one who said this to me. It was one night I was laying her down. And so she was probably three years old. And I was uh, praying for her and giving her a hug and kiss. And she looked at me and she said, Dad, do you like me? 
And I was like, honey, I love you. You know, kind of going above and beyond. And she looked back at me and she goes, no, 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 do you like me? And once again, I responded. I was like, I love you. I felt like I was having one of these Jesus and Peter moments. (laughs) And she said once again to me, she goes, no, do you like me? And I realized, oh, she was literally asking me, do I like her? And so I said to her, honey, not only do I love you, I like you. And a smile went across her face. And I think that there's some of us here who actually have thought the same way about God, where you're like, I get it. God is a a God who loves the world. He loves everyone. He loves me. And we just kind of say it flippantly. But I want you to know, not only does God love you, God likes you. He likes you. He likes you, the dreamer, and he likes the dreams that are hardwired into you. The reason why I know this is because Scripture says that you are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he had in mind for you to do, ready for this, before the beginning of time. That means before creation, he liked you. And he liked every plan he had for you. And somewhere along the line, whether it was your bad decision, something someone spoke, or some of, uh, of, of maybe just you lost sight of it, and you walked away from some of these most simplistic dreams that God said, no, this is actually hardwired into you. It's part of my plan for you, and I actually intend for you to walk in it. And today's the day that you step back into it. So why don't you all stand with me? Let's do some business, business with the Lord right now. And let's talk to him real quick. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne right now. A whole bunch of kids that you had in your mind before the beginning of creation with dreams that you placed within our hearts and some of those have been derailed. Maybe we've been, we grew up and we became adults and we gave up on them. Maybe we uh, made some foolish choices and we feel like our foolish choices has has become the grounds in which I can never walk in the dream. I can't be a person of integrity. I can't live outside of fear. I can't have a restored marriage. I can't have, and we've we've used those to be an excuse, and yet, God, I believe that you are restoring dreams right now today. God, place hope in people's hearts. Lord, I pray that there would be true humble desperation that we are willing to do whatever it takes, if that means even looking foolish, to step into these things. If it's leading your spouse, leading your family in a godly way, it might seem awkward, but I'm going to try, I'm going to step into it. If it's being a person of integrity at work, everyone will look at me. It's okay, we're going to try, we're going to step into it. We're desperate to step into those dreams. And Lord, we know that you are a restorer of dreams. And so Lord, would you bring about a restoration of some of these dreams that have been hardwired in us for a long time that we wouldn't keep chasing or that we would keep chasing after them, that we wouldn't give up on them and we won't give up on you. We know that you are a dream giver and a dream restorer. So we declare all this in Jesus name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.